Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Ooh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. I was just commenting that I'm glad there's not a wooden stage here. Last time I preached, there was like a little parquet floor, and I kept feeling like I was going to slip, and I'm already clumsy, so... I'm really happy I have my lovely green carpet back. I'm Robin. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say welcome to church. I know uh, Smarty welcomed you earlier. Please call him that. Please call him that, okay? Smarty. Um, But we are just so happy that you're here. We have a lot of guests in town, uh, new friends, old friends. I love that you all decided to come to church at the same time. So fun. Got some family in town. And we are excited to continue our series that we're in called Practical Faith. We are going through the book of James right now. And um, I have to point out, I promise that I'm not about to flee the building in my coat. I'm a little chilly. And I would have run laps so that I would warm up, but I don't want to be out of breath. And I'm not going to complain that it's cold in here because you'll see why in a little bit. But I'm thankful for this big room that is very difficult to heat this morning. So I will wear my coat and I promise I won't run off the stage out to lunch before you. Um, We're in our series Practical Faith and Tim preached a few weeks ago and he preached a message called From Skeptic to Slave. And that might sound a little misleading, but I invite you to go onto our website, tfh.church, and check that out because that is a foundational message for everything that we are preaching through these following weeks. Because sometimes the book of James can be a little bit misinterpreted. It can be looked at as a list of rules that we have to follow when in fact that's not what it is. Um, When you read the book of James, you have to read it with grace in mind. And grace means what Jesus did for us, that he died for our sins so that we could have new life. And so many people tell me the book of James is my favorite book of the Bible. And actually, one of my favorite people, my grandfather, Grandpa Gene, you can call him that too, he died about 11 years ago. And the book of James was his favorite book to read. And he used to tell me so many times, he'd say, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to sit down with James and a cup of coffee and have a conversation. My grandpa was an amazing man. When he said yes to Jesus and said yes to the grace of God in his life, He wanted to know what it would look like to follow him. See, he was an engineer, and he loved to study manuals. I loved watching my grandpa, like, peering over a big booklet, a manual that would probably make me yawn, but it was interesting to him. Whether it was a a big piece of machinery that he was putting together in his garage, or it was my toy I got on Christmas morning that he was putting together, he would study this manual. And I think that the book of James was my grandpa's favorite book because when he said yes to him, he said, now show me how to live. And the book of James became the manual for his life to follow. See, the book of James takes the wisdom of Proverbs and the teachings of Jesus, and it shows us how to live our life. Last week, uh, Tim preached on the man in the mirror. Michael Jackson gave him a hand too, so that was fun. Uh, He talks about how we can't just read the word, but we actually have to be doers of the word. We got to walk it out. 
Uh, the week before that, we talked about how to overcome temptation. There is so much goodness in this book. And this morning, I'm going to finish off the first chapter of James, where he talks about the tongue. And if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. We're calling this Chart Your Course. Tell your neighbor, say, Chart Your Course. All right, we're going to dive right into our text this morning. We're going to look at James 1.26. It says, For if you claim to be righteous, but don't control your tongue, you are only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. We're going to go on right now and jump into chapter 3, and I'm really sorry if that, like, really messes with your personality. You're like, what about chapter two? I promise that we're going to go back to chapter two in the coming weeks, but we're going to continue this theme as James does, speaking of the tongue. So James three, two through five says, we all make mistakes. Can I get an amen? Amen. For if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want it by the means of a small bit in its mouth. How many cowboys we got in the room? Yeah, I knew there were so many of you here in San Francisco. Okay, let's look at another example that maybe we can get a little bit more. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. How many of you have sailed on a boat or you've like, it could be like, you know, a nice little ski boat, right? We can relate to that a little more. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. And I want to follow it up with uh, verse 5 again from the message translation where it says, A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Pray with me this morning as we dive in. Jesus, we thank you that you are in this place. We thank you that... You're a pursuer of us and that you're excited to meet with us this morning. God, right now, I thank you for your word and that you give it to us so that we can learn from you and what it is that you want us to know. I thank you, God, that it's not an archaic book that we read, but it is a word that can transform our life. So this morning, I pray that our hearts would be open and your transforming power would come and you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So when James speaks of the tongue, he is referring to our speech, how we talk, what we say. I don't know about you, but I enjoy talking. I enjoy talking to you right now with this amplification device in my hand. You can all hear my voice. I enjoy talking out in the lobby to first-time guests or people that I haven't got to connect that much with. I love talking to my two good friends that live far away from me on this great little app called Marco Polo. And Tim makes fun of me for how often I talk to my friends. He's like, really, it's open again? I'm like, I like to talk. I enjoy talking in bed at night when we're in a deep conversation. And I still enjoy talking even when Tim's already fallen asleep because I'm still talking. (laughs) I looked it up and there's a statistic that says that People, on average, we speak about 16,000 words per day. 16,000 words per day. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, 
Well, that's women. Women speak more than men, because I read that statistic. Well, guess what? There's a new research that's been done that proves you wrong. And guess what? I have my own little like test group, because I was just at a cabin this last week with my family, and I was reminded how much my husband and my dad enjoy talking. They can go on for hours about real estate and the stock market and all different things. Thank God they also enjoy talking about the word of God, but they talk a lot too. See, every single day, we have the opportunity to share our own ideas, our thoughts, our beliefs, our opinions, our frustrations, our irritations with other people. We have the opportunity to do that. And the tongue is a powerful object. And that's why James talks about it here. And the Bible talks so much about it. Go home and just like Google tongue in the Bible. And you're like, that sounds weird, but do it. And you'll see how many times it comes up. But I'm gonna focus in on one, another part of the Bible where it talks about the tongues. Proverbs 18:21. this will come up on our screen as well. It says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now that might sound like this is the Bible, so you're like, well, it's true. I believe it's true. But that sounds like such a grandiose statement, right? The power of life and the power of death are in the tongue. Life and death are there, and it's a powerful object. See, if we go back to the beginning of time, We go back to Genesis and we see where God created the heavens and the earth. How did he create it? By speaking. He spoke and the mountains were formed. He spoke and the grass grew up. He spoke. And we have the ability to create life and to create death with our words. And when we look at the example of when God created the heavens and the earth and that he spoke, he didn't just create those things, he created you and me. And he said, I'm gonna create them in my image. So God created us in his image. So in other words, he gave us the same capacity that he has to speak and to create. We have the ability to speak and to create, like it says in Proverbs. Right now, I have the ability with my voice to speak and create life or speak and create death. Actually, right now, Jazzy, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. I love your hair. Don't we, if you, this beautiful girl with all the curls in the front row, that everybody touches her hair because she's so pretty. You look gorgeous. You've been working out hard at the gym, right? You've been killing it. Girl, that outfit looks so good on you today. Jazzy, I love that you're a part of our dream team. You come here early in the morning. And I know know when Jazzy's here, because she's pushing the baptism tank and all the stuff. And I don't just like hear the baptism tank, I hear her talking to people. Because she brings life into a room. And she's, she's chatting with people. And then I hear her, I love your laugh. You light up a room, Jazzy. What did I just do? created some life in Jazzy, but I can also create some death. (laughs) She's all, I could go over here to Caitlin and I'm like, Caitlin, doesn't Jazzy just irritate you sometimes? Doesn't she just bug you? And what was she thinking when she put that outfit together this morning? What was she thinking? 
you know, sometimes just her voice, like she comes in all loud in the morning. She can't handle it. Oh, don't you agree, Caitlin? what I do? I spoke some death over, please remember the good things, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna make you, now you're making me cry for another reason. See, both of those statements are powerful. And that's why James comes to us and he says, hey, this is important. And the power that you have in your voice, because we have a tendency as humans to talk in death way more than we do in life at times. It comes so naturally. It comes so naturally in so many different ways to speak out death over ourselves or over other people. My daughter Livy can be a good example for this. She is still working out her salvation. We're teaching her diligently the word and prayer, and she's getting it a little, but I, I wouldn't say she fully understands what Jesus did for her. And she can be a great example to us that um, just this past weekend, we were, we were climbing a hill on our snow trip, her and I, and she looks down at her, sla- at her sled, and all of a sudden she bursts out, I curse you, sled. And I'm like, number one, where'd you hear that? Number two, what the sled do to you? Like, what'd it do to you? Or I'll hear Livy in the back of the house screaming at her sister. And I'm going to put the mic down here. Ellie! Ellie! I hate you! I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to play with you again! And the vein is popping out of the side of her neck. Or when um, she was young, we were on vacation, and my brother and sister-in-law are here this morning. Um, I publicly apologize for this. I think you might remember, but I apologize again. We were trying to come up with what we should do with my niece, Cadence, who's younger than Livy. And so Ellie's like, we could bring these toys out. We could do this. We could, you know, watch a show. And Livy, out of nowhere, says, we could fill up the bathroom sink and we could drown her. <laughs> Literally speaking about death. So pray for her. Here's some other ways. Maybe you can't relate to that. Maybe you could laugh at it. But here's some other ways this morning that we can use our tongue, ways that you might use your tongue to speak some death out. We use our tongue to gossip. And I'm not just talking about outside the church. We can use our tongue, Christians, to gossip about one another in the house. Proverbs 18.8 says that gossip is so tasty. Oh, how we love to swallow it. I don't even think I need to give you examples. And this is not a lady's issue. Men, I hear you talking about somebody else. Or we can use our tongue to slander someone, making a false or demanding statement about somebody else. Maybe it was, it's your way of getting back at them because they hurt you, so now you get to hurt them with your words. But you speak out that death to your coworker or your friend, and you're like, well, it's fine. I was venting. I need to vent. I was just getting it off my chest. Oh, we're speaking out death to other, about other people. Or maybe it's perverse joking that so easily rolls off your tongue. Or lies, not just like a big old lie, a, a white lie, a half-truth, an exaggeration. Or it's profanity that we use, and it's just like... And I'm not giving you a list of things of rules. These are just things that naturally come out of us. 
We use our tongue to curse other people, call them names. Maybe if you even just the guy you don't even know who just cut you off. And you're like, you blankety blank, you know, and you're like, where did this come from? the poor innocent passenger next to you? Or we speak badly about our president or public figures. We maybe don't like what they're doing and so we feel it is our right to speak our mind. We speak word curses sometimes over our children. Things like, what's wrong with you? You're such a brat. Or we talk badly about our kids to other people. They're just so difficult. Just little monsters. It just rolls off our tongue. We even can speak negatively about ourselves. I'm so stupid. What was I thinking? I can never do anything right. Oh, this is just too good to be true. Something's bound to happen that's bad in my life. Or I'll never get healed. We talk this way about ourselves. So if that maybe describes even a portion of your life, a portion of your speech, then I wonder, how did we get here? How did this become our confession? I want you to write this down this morning. The answer is that we charted this course with our words. And James says it like this. He said, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Although the rudder of the ship is small in comparison to the massive ship, it is the thing that controls it. And though it's a small object, it has the power to be the biggest troublemaker. So if you think about a large ship, if you ever drive across the Bay Bridge on your way into the city, you can get a glimpse of these massive cruise ships that now port at our dock And when I look at the size of this ship and all that this ship makes up, like all the cabin rooms for the guests and the dining halls and the club and the pool and the theater and all that makes up this massive ship, it blows my mind that this small rudder rudder is what controls the ship. See, it's the rudder that guides the ship on the course of where the ship will go. Its rudder can guide it safely to its destination, or if the rudder is out of control, it can lead it into destructive waters, unsafe storms. It could ram it into the side of another ship, or it could get onto a rocky shoreline. The rudder has the control to make the entire ship out of control. And like the rudder of a ship, our words determine the direction of our lives. I'm going to say that again. Like the rudder, our words determine the direction of our lives. And when we realize that our words of gossiping are destroying us, that slander is sabotaging us, and that lying is leading us, I don't know about you, but it's not somewhere I want to go. It's not a place I want to be. So we've got two problems here this morning. Number one, I don't like what I'm saying. And number two, if where I'm heading is determined by what I say, I don't like where I'm going. So in order to change our direction, we need to change our conversation. Or let me say it like this. If we talked ourselves into this, we've got to talk ourselves out of it. But the method may be different than we think this morning. 
Most of us have tried to clean up our words because that looks like the obvious problem, right? Well, I can clean up my words because my words are the problem. Let me, let me actually give you a really good example of this this morning. Uh, Isaac, can you play that video for us real quick? In three, two, here we go. You little lint licker. I don't know why that one just stuck in my head. Dirty mouth, clean it up. I love that woman. Cool, many of us have tried this, right? We've tried the human effort to clean up our speech, to clean up maybe the complaint, to clean up the things that we so easily fall into. I don't know if you grew up in the type of house I grew up in, but I can still hear my mom saying, do you want me to wash your mouth out with soap? With their finger, see you mom. Do you want me to wash your mouth out with soap? Still like singed in my memory. I remember one time my brother and I were arguing and we just had been continuing this argument. So she took us in the bathroom, she rubbed our toothbrushes in dial soap and we had to brush our teeth. And she didn't just like punish me for that day. The dial wouldn't come off my toothbrush. So it was like for a week I was brushing with dial soap. Uh, Tim told me that his parents uh, were trying to help him clean up his dirty mouth, so they put a little cayenne pepper on his tongue when he said a bad word. They'll be counseling afterwards for both our families. <laughs> they knew what they signed up for when they had preachers for children. Maybe as an adult, you tried the rubber band trick. Who tried that for like a bad word you'd say or if you were complaining and you wanted to stop complaining, every time you would say something, you'd snap your wrist, like, and then you'd switch it to the other hand, and then you'd do, ah, oh, did it again. And you're literally just beating yourself. Or maybe you just took a vow of silence. Like, I'm just gonna, talk, I'm just gonna stop talking altogether. That'll work. I don't know about you, but these things haven't worked for me. I don't think they worked when I was little, and I don't think they worked for me as an adult. So if that didn't work, then we have to understand that our mouth isn't the problem. See, we're dealing with the fruit, but we've gotta to get to the root or the heart of the issue. This morning, we're gonna look at Matthew 12, 34, where Jesus says this so clearly to us. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. My heart, is revealed when I speak. I love this quote, what is in the well of the heart will come out of the bucket of the mouth. See, this morning, Jesus is saying, if you've got anger and you've got complaint constantly coming out of your mouth, if you've got lies or profanity that's just going all over people, it's an indication that anger or complaint, or that profanity, it's lodged in your heart. Jesus is saying, and write this down, a controlled tongue starts with a cleansed heart. 
And if we look at a teaching or a, a portion of scripture in the Bible, we can be taught something in how we deal with this. Because Jesus is saying, hey, it's in your heart. It's a heart issue, not a mouth issue. So how do we figure this out this morning? Well, if we look at Psalm 51, verses seven and 10, we see that King David wrote something out of an experience. And he said, he prays to God, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. When David wrote this, the reason he wrote it is because his words had gotten him into some trouble. Not long before he wrote this, he had been with this woman by the name of Bathsheba. Now Bathsheba was not his wife, she was his neighbor. And he saw her and he said, I want, her, I want you to come. And he invited her into his house. And then with his words, he invited her into his bed. Not long after that, Bathsheba finds out she's pregnant. And David's like, well, now everyone will know because Bathsheba's husband was actually away at war. So David, with his words, decides to send for her husband so that he can sleep with his wife and think the baby is his. Does this not feel like days of our lives, right? Just read the Bible, it's interesting, guys. So because he's a man of God, he says, I'm not going to sleep with my wife because that would be a pleasure for me when we're supposed to be out fighting a battle. So instead, because that didn't work, David then, with his words, had him killed. So David, knowing with his words that his heart is not pure, that he needs help from God. So he comes before him and he says, God, would you cleanse me of my ways? Would you clean out the dirt that's lodged inside of my heart? You know, church, how easy it is for us to come before our God? For us to come before him and say, I know what's in my heart by what I'm saying, so God, would you clean my heart? It doesn't take an altar call, it doesn't take a pastor, it takes you and it takes Jesus to be able to come before him, be able to say, I've done this and I don't want this anymore and to lay it down before him. Come on, this is something I do almost every day of my life because I am not perfect. That's what James said, he said, it's impossible for us to be able to do this. So, because my life is surrendered, because I need Jesus, I love that I have a hard time with my words sometimes. Do you know why? Not because of the result, but because it shows me how much my dependency is on Jesus. That I need him every day, I don't need him just on Sunday and just a random small group night, but I need him every day. God, would you clean my heart? My words have revealed where I'm at, and would you wash me? What's incredible about God is that he doesn't just wash us of that. I know in myself, I can't fix it, God. You're the only one that can fix my heart. But he doesn't leave us there empty. He doesn't say, I'm gonna cleanse your heart and now, all right, you just got an empty heart. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a new heart or I'm just gonna do a little transplant. No, the incredible thing is the God who created the heavens and the earth, he says, I'll create in you a new heart. And not just any heart, I'll create in you my heart. I'll begin giving you my love. I'll begin putting my goodness inside of you. It's an incredible thing to sit before him and have that revelation. Because when he starts to change our heart, 
our speech follows. Pretty soon, my mouth is changed. I'm not saying the things that I used to. I'm not declaring those things that I used to. Church, the good news this morning is that if our words of, that we create can bring death, then the opposite is also true. It means that our words can also create life. See, remember James said in verse five, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but church, it can accomplish anything. Imagine for a moment that if our hearts are so full of his love, his goodness, his grace, imagine the abundance that could spill out of our hearts. If words have the power to hurt, then they also have the power to heal. If words have the power to curse, then they also have the power to bless. If words have the power to bring sadness, then words also have the power to bring joy. If words have the power to impoverish, then they also have the power to enrich. And if words can destroy an identity, then our words can also establish an identity. Come on, by the power of your words, you have the ability to look at a situation and speak to it, one that looks hopeless, and say, I'm gonna speak life over this and bring life into a situation. Not that long ago, I stumbled upon a video that I took of my daughter, my oldest daughter, when she was five. We were driving in the car and she was praying, and she started praying for her dad, so I'm like, oh, I have to film this so I can show him later. So Ellie starts praying and she says, Jesus, I pray that my dad would get all the work done he needs to get done. He apparently had a busy week and she knew it. And Jesus, I declare that my dad would start eating better and I declare my dad would start drinking better. <laughs> so apparently he had some health issues he needed to work out. And then she went on to pray and she said, I pray and I declare, God, that every person that doesn't have food or water in the entire world would have food and water. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that sounds cute, but I think we can learn something from Ellie this morning. See, she went beyond asking, and she started declaring some stuff. Remember, if God gave us this ability to speak and to create, that G Jesus said it himself, he said, speak to that mountain and it'll move. Sometimes I don't think we understand the power that our voices have, the power that we have as sons and daughters. And this isn't some name it or claim it theology church, this is common sense as a believer. This is something that we have to get because if our words, they can chart a course of death. That means that my words can chart a course to life, to a place that's beautiful, that the, that's a place that isn't just for me, but it's blessing and it's his goodness for other people. I wanna ask you this morning, what are you declaring over your own life? Where do you wanna see yourself in a week? Where do you wanna see yourself in a month? Where do you wanna see yourself in a year? Are you a college student in the room that's so bogged down by exams and assignments trying to get to your career? Remind yourself what you're working for. Remind yourself that you've got a great career ahead of you as soon as you get out of this season, that you're almost there. Are you an entrepreneur in the room with an amazing idea but it's not bringing the cash flow yet? Speak about your vision. 
Talk to yourself about what God's told you to do, what incredible thing he has inside of you that you're gonna bring to the world. Declare it, speak about it, talk about it, make it known. Are you a woman of God in the room and you keep saying, well, that man of God, I don't think he's coming, he hasn't yet. I don't know, all these guys are jerks around me. I don't see it. No, start speaking it out. God, you have someone for me. I believe it. You have a man of God waiting for me. Start believing it with your words. Are you a parent in the room who everybody says, and you agree, oh, my kid's just shy. I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder for this one. Shyness is not a sweet little name for it's okay for them not to talk. Shyness is actually a pet word for fear. Stop speaking that over your kid. They're not shy. You look at her in the face. You look at him in the face and say, you're bold. You are courageous. You can do anything you put your mind to. Are you in the room in a rough season in your relationship with your spouse? What are you speaking over your marriage? Are you pointing out their faults or are you speaking to the life inside of that man of God or that woman of God? You're a man of God, I may not see it, but I speak it out, you're a man of God. Our marriage is going to succeed. What are you speaking over your life this morning? And let's not just talk about ourselves this morning. I don't just think that our words have the power to chart the course for our life. I think that our words have the power to chart the course for our city. I believe that the greatest impact we can have on San Francisco is with our words. It's not just that there's negative speech going on around our city, it's that people flat out ignore one another. Come on, we're always on task. Well, I gotta get here, then I gotta get there, and don't distract me, don't interrupt me. I gotta get from point A to point B. But what would happen if we opened up our mouth? Band, you guys can come this morning. I wanna close with this story and then one other um, scripture I wanna read out. If any of you came to any of our preview services, I, I shared this story with you. Um, it was about a woman that I encountered, and actually we ended up taking an offering for her, which was really cool. So I just want to say thank you again if you were a part of that. Um, one day, we hadn't lived here that long. One day I was at my house, it was a Tuesday, and I was getting ready to do the assignments with our kids. We homeschool, and I'm, I've got like the list of everything we got to get done for the day, plus schoolwork, plus this, and the errands. And I literally open up the books, and I look outside, and an ambulance had pulled up across the street. There's a walking path across the street from our house, and an ambulance had pulled up. So of course, you know, I'm like, what's going on? So I look and I see this man lying on the ground and somebody doing CPR on him. <clears throat> and I see a group of people huddled around. And I then see this woman pacing back and forth. She has a little dog and I realize, oh my gosh, that's probably her husband. So I interrupted my day and my list. And I was like, I don't know what I can do, but I have to do something. So I ran across the street and the woman was like finicking, like messing with her dog and like almost concerned with her dog because she was distracting herself with what was happening with her husband. So I'm like, okay, the dog's my way in. I'm like, ma'am, can I get your dog a bowl of water? My house is right there. She said, please, please, please get it for him. Yeah. So I bring a bowl of water over and I look at the officer and with my words, I said, 
can I do anything? And he said, I'm having such a hard time keeping her distracted. Thank you for helping her with the dog. Can you just like stay with her? I'm like, for sure. So I'm like, what do I even, you know, what do you say in a situation like that? So I put my arm around her and I began to console her with my words. I said, I'm so sorry this is happening. And I began to pray over her with my words. I began to pray for her husband and this situation that looked bleak. A little bit later, the paramedic said, we've got to go in the ambulance. We've got to take your husband. And so she's like, what do I do? And they're like, you have to leave the dog. So with my words, I was like, listen, I promise I'm not a dog kidnapper. But can I take your dog so you can get in the ambulance and go with your husband? very reluctantly says, okay. I said, I'll give the uh, the officer all my information. So I took the dog and with my words, I was like, we are going to be best friends or you're not going to poop in my house. So I took the dog into my house and a few hours later, this woman shows up alone to my house. And she said, he died. My husband died at the hospital and I don't, I don't know what. And I'm like, so with my words, I invited her into my house and she sat down on my couch and with my words, I began to pray over her and I began to hold her and thank God for Jesus because he gives you the right words in those situations. And I began to speak life into her. We began to talk about her daughter who needed hope too. We sat on my couch And with my words, I continued to pursue her in relationship and to speak life into her death situation. Come on church, what can we do if we would just interrupt our day, lift up our voice because God's called us as sons and daughters to speak out a message to our city, not to just rush through life, not to just complain about what we wish was different, but to lift up our voice and speak hope and life into the situations around us ultimately that's what James wanted us to get do you realize the power you have with your words do you realize the power you have to speak life over individuals that are right around you And honestly, that is one of the reasons God has called our church to this city, to speak life, to speak hope, to not just look around and say, I'm okay with the way San Francisco is. It's always been this way. It'll always be this way. No, I look and I speak a different voice because I believe God has a plan for this city. I believe he has a plan for the individuals that call this great place home. Come on, church, you're a part of that. I wanna read out this verse that God gave us for this city when he told us to come here with our church. He said, I want you to speak this out over your city and we've been praying it. It's a sound by from Isaiah 62 and I close with this. And just so you know, I didn't change scripture, I just throw San Francisco in there because this is how I pray this verse over our city. Isaiah 62 says, because I love San Francisco, I will not keep silent. Because my heart yearns for San Francisco, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until I see her righteousness shine like the dawn. 
And you, San Francisco, you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight. You will be called the holy people, the people redeemed by the Lord. And you will be known as a desirable place, the city no longer forsaken. Come on, we believe that for this city. I believe that for you and your life and your family and the people around you. Church, let's go with this message today and let's see where our words of life can lead us. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.